Here they come! Hello, and welcome to episode 164 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Derek Boys to look at the minecar chase scene in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, the recording is a little bit doomed. Um, apologies for this. Uh, when I went back to actually assemble the recording, I realised that uh, my vocal track was on Derek's vocal track as well, creating this horrible uh, echoey mess. So basically what you've got here is just Derek's track. Um, So I sound like what I am, I'm coming out of a little speaker, so I'm diminished, but that's fine because we have the mighty Derek in the foreground as it should be. I must be allowed to speak. All right, let's start with, uh, what's your story with Dr. Jones then, Derek? My story, uh, as in how did I come about liking Indiana Jones or? Yeah, 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 your, your, your background. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I obviously I was a fan of Star Wars and so I knew Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Um, so when I saw another film with Harrison Ford in, um, it was obviously something I wanted to go and see and I was... I was staying at my uh, cousin's house in Hinkley um, at the time that I went to see it. And we went to the Hinkley Cinema to see it. And we had a choice, I think, to go and see Popeye <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, uh, and my sister was outvoted by my two male cousins. <laughs> so we went to see uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I remember uh, all the sort of exploding heads and melting faces at the end. And my auntie went... <laughs> We should have gone to see Popeye. <laughs> How old were you then? What uh, age eight. Were you? Yeah. Eight. Mm, I think I was eight. Yeah. Um, I was six, five or six of Star Wars. I think I probably I might have been just six when I saw Star Wars. So, um, but yeah, I was fairly young, and I remember just um, skipping back from the cinema back to their house with just excitement and kind of swinging on trees and just wanting to <laughs> be Indiana Jones. I think really. Do you think, I mean, I know you're a big Harrison Ford fan and I know, you know, all of us fell in love with him as Han Solo. I mean, when you watch Raiders Lost Ark for the first time, was it a case of Han who and Indiana Jones took over or did they run side by side? I think they ran side by side. But then I think um, the thing is, though, or perhaps um, I think when I watch Star Wars, I think um, most kids kind of identify with Luke Skywalker in the first one. And uh, sort of Han Solo took over, um, particularly in the second one. I would imagine he got he was a little bit hammy in the third in Return of the Jedi, but but um, but I, I I suspect that the introduction of Indiana Jones kind of cemented that um, popularity uh, against against Mark Hamill. But um, I think I was I was more Luke uh, when I saw Star Wars. But by the time I saw Empire, I was much more I like this guy, whoever he is, you know. All right. In an alternative dimension, then, in this alternative world, it wasn't Harrison Ford that became Indiana Jones. It was Mark Hamill. 
Mark Hamill. Would, you, <laughs> would, 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 would Hans Harrison Ford then have slid aside, or well, what do you reckon? I know uh, it was. was, it was <clears throat> I think um, you know Star Wars was about a a bored kid on a desert planet seeking adventure, and he got it. And I think that was the point of that one. Whereas um, the second, the second one, oh, I don't know. You see, I mean, I was still very much a big fan of Luke in his Hoth Bethbin outfit because when when I was again going back to my cousins in in Hinkley, I remember taking my Luke Skywalker Hoth outfit, Star Wars figure there, and there was a big snowfall that winter, and we we buried our our figures in the snow overnight. <laughs> That was the thing, wasn't it, when you used to play with your action figures in the garden? <laughs> yeah, and, be, and to have real snow for Hoth figures was was amazing, you know. <laughs> so, um, in fact, no, it was it wasn't Luke Hoth; it was Luke Bespin I had with the lightsaber and. Oh um, right, um, right. But that, but that whole that whole outfit, his kind of beige, um, double pocketed, all in one kind of uh, outfit for Bespin was, and also for Dagobah, he was wearing it, wasn't he? Mm. <clears throat> um, Especially by at the end when it's completely tatty and torn and stuff like that was just really exciting, I thought. But um, but I don't think... <clears throat> I mean, basically, a Mark Hamill isn't what wouldn't be capable of doing Indiana Jones. And, and I did think that Tom Selleck would have done a good job of Indiana Jones. Um, but there's just sort of... At that point, I think there was just no match. Harrison Ford was everywhere, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. even in Apocalypse Now and E.T., but he got deleted from E.T., but he, he got reintroduced in Apocalypse Now Redux, didn't he? Yeah, I showed that to our son, and he couldn't believe that, you know, Harrison Ford was in that film for about two seconds. <laughs> yeah. You know, a megastar was in a film for two seconds. <laughs> yeah, so... He, he, didn't, he didn't have the context, did he? No. You know? Um, so, yeah, you know, if you were eight when you saw Raiders, you were still quite young when Temple of Doom came out. So, I mean, I, I read lots of times, you know, that this this freaked children out, some aspects of Temple of Doom. Um, were you OK with it uh, or, or what? Uh, I was like any boy at that age. Um, actually, I must have been nine. I must have been nine when I saw Raiders Lost Ark because I was 12 when I saw it, Temple of Doom and I remember it. I went to see it on the same day as the Maystone Carnival, and um, oh, I remember the Maystone and I, Carnivals. And it was it was a PG, and I went in there, and I got told off by my stepmom for going to see a PG on my own. <laughs> but um, but I I um I remember being completely ecstatic about um well I, I loved all the kind of the, the the table food, the eyeballs soup, and that kind of stuff, which was just kind of ew. But um, but of course the 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 big one, which was the heart being taken out, was cut in the British version. I was going to mention this <clears throat> because I wasn't aware. Um, you know, I I introduced I've introduced our children to you know everything that I was into when I was young. At the time that I think that they they're, they're old enough to appreciate it. You know. Yeah. And I wasn't aware when I bought the uh, Indiana Jones Blu-ray box set. Yeah, that me they too. Had reinserted <laughs> stuff. You know. Yeah. And I was like, I don't and, remember this. And it was I, yeah. I noticed it was an extra. It was a little bit longer. Uh, yeah. The running time compared to my VHS. But you version. don't think why? <laughs> no, yeah. And and uh, I can remember watching it, and and my my children who were quite young. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, the youngest was about I don't know about 
seven, something yeah. like that. <clears throat> and uh, just ju then watching it in stunned shock. And um, our daughters and our, our youngest is now 15. They still say to me, I can't believe you made us watch that film. <laughs> and it is, yeah, it is the, the more than the, um, you know, the violence and the chasing and the, and the killing. It is the banquet scene, but more especially the heart ripping out scene, because yeah. I wasn't aware that they had put stuff back in. Well, the, the other the other sort of thing that they I think they pre censored before the censors looked at it. Or they adjusted the shot. I don't know, but was they added flames to, you know, when um, that's right, yeah. The, uh, the the guy who has his heart taken out, in fact, when he gets lowered into the towards the lava and he bursts into flames, apparently it was so gory that um, that they added flames in the foreground to just hide, <laughs> the, the, because I think it was a it was some kind of animatronic man in there, wasn't it? So yeah, he, he it, just wiggled, it, he struggled feebly, <laughs> as yes. he was burning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Which is yeah. a very strange one in Temple of Doom because it was it it was kind of very graphic, but then it was also much more comedy uh, than Raiders of the Lost Ark. You see, this is the problem I have with Temple of Doom in that um, my my thoughts on on it hasn't changed from when I watched it back then. <laughs> oh, by the way, can I just say that's very depressing that you say you went to see it, mates, than Carnival. There there were there was a one in three chance that that little boy Derek that went to see it on the day of the mates and Carnival. There's a one in three chance that I was your projectionist <laughs> yeah. showing you the film that day. It's always depressing talking to somebody from my old days. That it's like oh crap. <laughs> um, but what was my point? What was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my, my thoughts then and, and now is that I I like the darkness of Temple of Doom. Yeah. But it seems an odd contradiction that they've bunged a kid in there so the children can identify with a figure in that film. But on the other hand, you've got a much darker film, and it it's a film that's odd, <clears throat> isn't it? Yes, and I think um, I mean I. I always have an issue with um, films with kids in, <laughs> as in like, well, as in Terminator, Terminator Two, you know, um, or um, um, or, or F Star Wars Episode One, you know. I think kids when they're too young, then kind of, uh, kind of, don't make the film that serious. But then saying that, on reflection, I think K. Hugh Kwan does a fine job on on. Temple of Doom, and it's actual, and it's actually Willie Scott who's the problem for me, because she's constantly screaming, and mm -hmm. and most of the sort of pantomime scenes are her with the snake and stuff like that. Just um, her just getting into ridiculous kind of tantrums, or <laughs> or not be able to go down and uh, into the into the insect pit because she's too squeamish. And um and it's a little bit like Jar Jar Binks in that it starts to get a little bit irritating. Mm. And I think you know for a modern day audience, um, she's quite pathetic compared to Marion. <laughs> Yo, there, there is no comparison with Marion, no, is there? I mean Marion, uh, she was she had balls, you know, and uh, and Willie doesn't. She she's, I mean I know she plays that character. You know she's the sort of oh, I've broken my nail and you know she's a dancer and everything else and she likes luxury five star hotels. I get that, but there was just a point. There should have been a point where she had to. She once she got her hands dirty, she knew there was no way out, and therefore, yeah, that, that sort of strength came out, you know. But but it yeah, didn't. A bit of character development. Yeah, but it didn't really happen. She she is the comedy relief, isn't she? Yeah, bloody yeah. irritating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we 
go into the uh, sequence we're going to talk about today, can you just rate for me? I'm interested to hear your ratings on all four. Um, Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones films. Yeah, what, what order do you prefer them, going from top to bottom? Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. uh, Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, and then Crystal Skull. I, I don't think anybody puts Crystal Skull above I, fourth. I don't place, even do put they? Crystal Skull as an Indiana Jones film, personally. I am. I, I, um... It's a bit like my um, my sequel sequels to Star Wars. I don't. I, I've rejected them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've said many times. You know, I I enjoy Temple of Doom. I enjoy Last Crusade. But if they had never made a sequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, I would have been totally happy with that. As a just like um, you know, ET uh, or something. ET, yeah. or, um, and I wish they had never done any sequels to Jaws. You know, they were yeah. brilliant. Uh, Close Encounters, you know, standalone classic piece of Spielberg filmmaking. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's talk about the sequence then. Let's get on. Let's uh, get into it. And yeah, it is the minecart sequence we're talking about today for our very first look at this film. Um, so yeah, let's crack on. Let's get on. Um, so we go into the mine. They get in the mine cart. Indiana Jones swings down, doesn't he, yeah. into the rail cart, and off they go into the tunnels. And almost immediately, we go into model work. Um, and you're a fan. You're in the film industry. You know that this is, by and large, mostly miniature work we're yes. going to talk about today. Um, and the first time we really notice it is, I mean, there are sequences where you see, you know, Harrison Ford and Kate Capshaw, um, you know, they're in the mine cart. But it's very obvious that every time you see them, you know it's the real deal because the camera is at the side, you know, it's, it's on a track following them. And it's doing just the gentlest of up and down movements, isn't it? That 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 rail they've got. It's like a kiddies roller coaster. If you go down to Hastings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you've got the kiddies smallest, you know, roller coaster for a five-year-old, yeah. you know, it just gently goes up and down. Every time we get the big deal roller coaster things that's a model isn't it yes miniature yeah yeah what is unfortunate and i don't remember seeing this when when i used to show it in the cinema is now you know on your big tvs with your blu-rays and that is when you watch that that's very obvious there are little puppets yeah inside the mic that's what gives it away i think is is just the uh yeah the uh the little heads poking out the top it's interesting because um uh, I I think the um, the point of view shots of the miniatures where you're looking over down at the lava pit below or as you come over the bridge with that big steep track, I, I think they work. It's just as soon as they as soon as they've got the miniatures of the characters in the the um, in, in the carts, that's when you start to realise it's not it's not real. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. When when Indiana Jones says we've got company, and you know behind him, I mean it's it's rear projection, so they're directly in front of a cinema. Yeah, and that looks that that looks quite dated now. The rear projection, doesn't it? Because it's, I mean, I read, I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to work. I just looked at it now just to <clears throat> remind myself, and I, I and I was trying to work out, apart from the obviously the obvious sort of rear projection look where it's kind of the colours are slightly washed out and. Uh, you can tell it's not part of the actual <clears throat> live action. It's something to do. I mean, I don't know whether those, uh, whether the back projection is uh, a miniature background or, or the actual set. Do you know? No, I know. I, I think it's miniatures. <clears throat> I yeah, think it's, 
I think it's all miniatures. And as you say, you know, if, if you have an establishing shot, if you have a POV, that's fine. Because they went to a great deal of, you know, recreating this, you know, mine tunnels in miniature. And they put the camera, yeah. you know, on the track and sent it down. And that's fine. But I think what, what removes me from it, and it's like, you know, to quote Monty Python, it's only a model, is um, when you actually see the carts moving, uh, the, the laws of physics are wrong because they filmed all this in uh in real time they didn't do high speed photography so when you see the cart moving along it's not moving like a full size one would and the worst example of course is when they go around that bend when indiana says you know take the break off we got to speed out and um, up and out run them when they go around that bend and it does like a 45 degree tilt and <laughs> yeah. almost falls off it's like nah <laughs> yeah yeah and that's no. that's the two well, there was that and then basically the the uh the 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 car leaping across the gap where there's mm. no track. There were these sort of um, pushing the boundaries of unbelievable. Yes. Um, and, and certainly today that you kind of go, I wish I didn't have that. I wish you'd done something like, you know, half of the rail was missing or something. And so you had to all lean to the left. What do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Something... Real things don't work like that. So I don't mind it. It's like when you watch the original King Kong all the way through it, not for one second, do you believe that that is a giant, you know, ape in the jungle. Yeah. You're aware you're watching a special effect, you know, and I don't mind it for that. You but, know, but when I, but those techniques I think would still work today, but because there would be better today. So for example, the actual um, the, uh, the the miniature characters in the in the car, in the mine car, um, today, uh, with things like three um, um, D printing and stuff like that, I watched an animation in Sitges uh, a couple of months ago. I went to the film festival there, and and uh, my film was playing in a short section, and one of the shorts there, I think it was the first one, was live action, and then it went into. Um, stop motion animation of of these characters and and the characters uh, i've got a feeling that the actor might have been from mac from predator no right yeah and but anyway the miniature they had a lifelike you know how star wars figures now actually look like the characters when you buy them in yes. the shop now and so whatever it is they just got much better at um producing lifelike faces and i'm sure it's to do with um computer technology and 3d printing and stuff but but their faces would look like their faces and if they really wanted to be um detailed they could probably um you could probably take one face off and put one face on like they do in um nightmare before christmas for different expressions as well mm. so uh so i think if they did it today they could use the same technique they could use a nikon 35 millimeter camera and a miniature set and <clears throat> the animation i think is 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 mostly good um it's just they don't look real <laughs> no no um, and I think if they looked real, they'd still have that stop motion feel. Um, I don't think, unless they do, yeah, you wouldn't, but then maybe computer could enhance the sort of motion blur or something to make it mm. more, more real. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, um, these, these ideas modernized would, would probably work quite well today, which is yeah. the other yeah. thing I, I listened to was on the uh, making of temple of doom. Um, I've got an old VHS TVS recording of it. TVS, oh, man, that takes me back. <laughs> and I digitised it so that I could throw away the VHS player. But um, there's a Steven Spielberg does say that he's sitting in a in a mine car that's just basically scaffolding frame, where where one of the where you film from 
a fair distance from the from the mine car in front. And he was testing the speed and he said, suggested to go down to 18 frames a second rather than 24 because the audience won't notice. Um, and it was for safety reasons because he didn't, because he thought he was going fast enough mm -hmm. for safety, but he wanted to feel like we're going a little bit faster. So I think they did crank it by a few frames. Yeah, that's the live action though he's doing yes, yeah. there, isn't he? Not the miniature one. No, 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 just the live action, yeah. Mm. Um, but it's no, interesting yeah. that they, tr they, they do all this because then they also had a, they had a camera actually mounted to the car looking straight ahead and you and you can see in the sort of the footage that because it's literally mounted to the car it vibrates and and the and the film is fuzzy do you mm. notice that it kind of vibrates as it as it goes around because it's physically attached whereas the one that follows them on the side that goes around in a circle because they, ba they basically just built a circle set didn't they Yes, and um, they went round and round. <laughs> yeah, and they were going... Just like of, the kiddies roundabout. Yeah. And I think they were going about five to ten miles an hour, and because they're a fair distance and they're on a, on a sort of a long lens, the, the background is really, really, really fast. Um, they can get away with it much, much better that yeah, way. Yeah, but the camera is very smooth because the camera's on a track yes. on, on the studio yeah. And it doesn't floor, vibrate so like that one on the... That's physically going up and down because that's getting all the impact and the, and the sort of the metal... Vibrations. Yeah, but that's what you need. You need that to sell the idea that yeah. you're and I would say that in, does in, that in does the car with them. But that does make that you know that it's real, you know. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Every time you cut to the side view, you're taken out of it. It's the same kind of principle with like born identity using handheld, you know, rather than smooth cameras. It just makes you feel that you're there, you know. It is yeah. actually physically happening. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I, I don't mind all the effects. You know, I know it's all, you know, miniature work. And it adds to the fantasy because if you think about it for one minute, you know, these mine tunnels are extensive and you've got, you know, all this building work going in there. You know, that big sand thing that Indiana Jones, you know, he hits with his yeah, yeah. shovel to make the sand come out. Who built all this? How long has this taken? <laughs> these tunnels go on for miles and miles and miles. I suspect they did each shot, they built a set for each shot, as in there was a piece of track they no tied. no i mean in real life oh yeah Mo yeah molar ram and all the bad oh, how yeah. long have they been down there making all this you know <laughs> yeah that, yeah i mean and it's and there's multiple different avenues to go down as well you know yeah with signs warning you not to go this way and that way well Who i suppose he was obsessed he was obsessed with finding that last stone wasn't he so Oh, I suppose. But that's been going on a bloody long time to build that amount of tunnels. <laughs> that's an awful lot of kids you're using as slave labour to build those tunnels. Yeah. Um, and there's lava as well. Like you say, at one point, they go over this lava stream. India doesn't have lava. I'm I, know. Sure I mean, that's the, that's the other sort of fantasy, isn't it? Is a, is a, um, it's, you can, it's that kind of um, Spielberg, Lucas, um, uh, childlike thing going, why do we have lava? <laughs> <laughs> there are no volcanoes in India, yeah. for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, but it makes it exciting. And I like, and I actually, and also because of the, <clears throat> the aesthetics of having that red glow everywhere. I mean, that works well when Molaram is doing his kind of seance stuff and you've got all his people on one side of the lava gap and then he's doing his bit on the other side. Uh, he kind of looms forwards and he's got this red face and stuff. It works quite well. So, but again, I think <clears throat> audiences ex just go with it because it looks nice. <laughs> yeah. It looks fabulous. <clears throat> it, it really does. It really does. And it's one extra and, threat, isn't it? Yeah. And I love all this, you know, take the 
left path, the left path, they take the right path. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, you know, you've got the, 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 this chase, the bad guys are following him, you know, Indiana, they decide to take a shortcut through the barriers, smashes through the barriers, and the bad guys go the other way. You know, I just realised that's... a sensitive <clears throat> tunnel system. Yeah, it's funny, because I, <clears throat> I just realised that, that that's kind of duplicated in Last Crusade, isn't it? Because... Uh, when he goes, um, I didn't say go through it. I said go around it. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 effect that makes me wince though in this <clears throat> is you know where you've got these parallel tracks going across the lava, and you've got the bad guys on one side, Indiana and the others in the other, and they grab short round and they pull him across. And he's being stretched between the two cars, oh, yeah. and you've got an overhead shot looking down with this little wiggling puppet of <laughs> short round. Yeah. That always makes me wince. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a it's difficult though because you think without that shot, it would it it wouldn't have any impact. No, uh, but at the same time. You're losing that impact by knowing that it's a miniature. Yeah, it is <clears> that <throat> strange balancing act yeah. that you've got to and try I, and, and I think, achieve. I think you have to go. I think, um, and this is an experience I've learned recently, is that you have to, no matter if it if it doesn't feel quite realistic, it's better to go with the story. Uh, so basically, when you do that storyboard, you need that shot because mm -hmm. it tells it tells the story of threat, and it, you can see in context the lava and the how dangerous the boy is. Whereas, just from the camera, the live action point of view, from from looking uh, horizontally. You can't you can't see that threat, or it, it feels like you're cheated. Of, you know, you're you're wanting to see that lava below, aren't you? Mm, yes. And so, as a filmmaker, I think you, you know you have to stick it in, even if it's not quite realistic. I mean, I did this with my short film recently, where I just, um, I I had a I had lots of problems with the visual effects and the creature I wasn't happy with, but I just thought, look, um, my kid watches. Uh, films from the 80s with really poor effects but she still enjoys the story mm. and without those effects it wouldn't tell that story it wouldn't tell yeah. the same story so so I kind of I, I think you know if you have to make that choice the the choice is you have to include that shot but you've got to make it the best as it, you can you know mm. and I think the audience will forgive you because you're giving them the full story because if you read it in a, in a if, it, if you saw that whole scene it was described in a book you wouldn't complain would you no. The other thing that we haven't mentioned is that when they had to come up with this effect sequence, ILM were booked right up in their optical department. So they couldn't do much in the way of optical effects. If 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 you could have optically had the live action short round in that shot, it wouldn't yeah. you know, be, be so jarring. But there are very, very few optical effects in this sequence. I mean, you've got some uh, sparks added you know when the brakes go on you've got the shot of the three of them running down the tunnel when the water's just about to appear that's yeah. pretty much it optically everything else had to be done in camera they had no choice um so you can forgive it for that can't you yeah and it's a shame uh, that they didn't have more optical stuff because of course when they kind of re revamp them onto blu-ray and stuff they could go to the original elements and composite them much much better you know Mm. Um, but saying that, you know, the the for its time, some of the, the, those those brief kind of compositing shots where the waters. I mean, the miniature of the water coming down the um, tunnel, uh, the one with the barrel floating on top, I think is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know whether that is actually on a wire or not. Um, 
what the, the barrel or the yeah, you know, yeah the barrel the barrel moves oddly doesn't <clears> it <throat> Um, I've got a, I've got a potential answer to what's happening there uh, in a minute when we talk about behind the scenes on it, all yeah. right? Um, but I just want to mention there is one bit of stop motion um, in this, which is when Willie punches the bad guy who's hanging onto the back of the car and he falls off and lands on the tracks and then you know the the, the pursuing cart hits him. That's stop motion. Yes. Um, and, and you can tell it's it's rather jerky. Yeah, and, and that's that's uh, and the two dust plumes that where, where it crashes through some of the structure and then it hits the bottom out of shot and there's another dust plume as well. But they, those two dust things look very uh, of their time. Yes. <laughs> um, which yeah. they could have yeah, tied yeah. that perhaps uh, on a on a remake. But then there's the, then you go down the question of, you know, tampering with the original <laughs> i wish they wouldn't um just leave it um uh yeah you, you mentioned it earlier that they jump the gap that's the moment where they jump the gap yeah. and it's like nah <laughs> if this was real you'd be dead yeah you know uh, because you, uh yeah i mean the, the chances of, of those wheels landing perfectly aligned back onto without the without it slightly turning left or right or overwards is just impossible almost yeah and um uh, and and then you think, okay, well, what would you do instead? And it's like, well, they would they would be mangled on the track. Yes. <laughs> Even if they did land perfectly on the track, they would bounce out. They're not exactly wearing seatbelts, are they? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's at that point that's when Mola Ram has ordered the water be uh, sent down the tunnel yeah. uh, after them, and uh, sh- uh, shortly the the minecart comes to a stop just before. Um, you know, it stops and, you know, Indiana Jones gets out and he becomes the brake by putting his feet on it. <laughs> um, if you look at the speed that cart is going, it's going about two miles an hour. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was looking at that just now and I was thinking, do you know what? I would have cut, trimmed that down. So he does that, he does that last kind of, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, and there's a shot where it's relatively fast, I think, where you're heading towards it. And I think, that's you need that because that looks kind of relatively dangerous but you kind of think the way the speed is going when he's pushing's hard you think you might as well let it roll into the block yes it would just gone gently bump <laughs> yeah you, you would have had a, well you might have had a quite harder bump but it's not going to kill you you know no no uh, but that is the quintessential harrison ford comedy now isn't it yeah, yeah. water water yeah. it you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, i do i do enjoy that it's funny but harrison uh, but, ford has got a brilliant comedy timing hasn't he yeah <laughs> and it, it, i don't know where where it, i don't know how that happens i mean in terms of uh whether he comes up with extra ideas on set or whether that was just written and he just plays it well do you know what i mean i know mm. he does improvise quite a lot um on certain things we know from raised lost dark the famous dysentery um scene where he had that big sword fight and ended up just putting out his gun and shooting him which of course is 10 times better <laughs> yes yeah 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 what always jars for me and i can remember this back in you know uh the cinema days when i used to watch this is water water he goes and the water's coming down so they run and they're running down the tunnel <clears throat> away from us and they take a shortcut to the right yeah. right they run through this little tunnel the water passes in the tunnel they were in they come out into another tunnel a the water doesn't go through that little tunnel behind them and come out yeah it should be should be at least it might not be full pelt but it should be leaking out at least yeah that's a b when they come out of that tunnel to the right they look left and the water's coming towards them so it's gone round a corner or something it's now coming back on itself 
Yeah, it must have been a very sharp U-turn. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, and, and then there's also down. that point where, where as they run towards the the light, uh, the water is literally on their heels. Yes. And then we cut to the wide shot uh, outside, and they go to left and right of the thing, and the water takes ages to come out. It, it, yeah, and then <laughs> it finally does come out. That is a poor shot, you know. The um, it, it's a bit winceable. The because that's a composite shot. You've got um, yeah, uh, uh, um, the live action. And I'm know, sure that scene. could have been digitally enhanced for a Blu-ray. And there's things like those kind of things. I think they should. Uh, well, maybe they should just do a version of it where you can <laughs> get your kids to watch it so they don't go. That looks rubbish. <laughs> yeah, because it does. I mean, you basically you've got three elements there. You've got the live action bit with the actors. You've got a matte shot of the cliff wall, and then you've got uh, uh, a. A plate of photography looking down onto the river yeah you know um i i can never work out the um uh the geography of this scene either because they seem to be just round the corner from you know the bridge you know willie and short round they go yeah. and they're up. supposed to be in a mine which should be underground and yet they're on top of a mountain almost they're on top of a mountain yeah <laughs> indiana jones climbs for a few minutes and he's <clears> on the top <throat> and they're miles away from the uh from the <clears throat> river <below. laughs> Yeah, but it's meant to be underground. Yeah. Yet they never went uphill. That's a good point. They yeah. never went uphill, did they? Um, it's all. Mm. But but again, you 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 suspend disbelief for the fun. Yeah, fun yeah it is fun. There yeah. you go. You've you've summed it up. All right, that's the sequence done uh, behind the scenes. Um, I I think it's quite funny. You know that much like what happened on. Um, uh, Return of the Jedi in the original script it just says they get in the mine car go through the tunnel and get out at the end of it um, <laughs> and so everything between them getting in the mine car and coming out you know at the end uh, was all made up it was all devised by you know Joe Johnston Steven Spielberg Dennis Muir and everything and that's exactly what happened on Return of the Jedi Return of the Jedi said about mm. the speeder bike chase they chase the they chase the uh, the scouts the uh, biker scouts and that's it. And, um, you know, they just made it up as they went along and they become almost these showpiece yeah. events. I think the Raised Lost Dark as well. I think in the original uh, tr treatment uh, for Raised Lost Dark, it says they open the arc and all hell breaks loose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, uh, yeah, well, that's, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that when we get there, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so... As I said, they that they couldn't. They knew before they even got into this that they couldn't do it optically because the optical department was busy on other stuff. So they knew they had to do it in camera, and that meant they physically had to build a miniature yeah. mine tunnel arrangement. <clears throat> and that that using that thirty five mil camera, the Nikon, instead of a was was genius because it 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 needed very little adaptation. As I say, it was like a fifty foot reel, wasn't it? That they adapted to fit into it which probably it was exactly 50 foot yes. yeah and that probably gives you the enough to, to do one the, the longest shot in the whole sequence probably is, is what they based it on you know yes um apparently the 50 because this is vista vision film they adapted this yeah nikon camera um the smallest one they had ilm had was uh nine inches wide <clears throat> and because that's the smallest camera they had that dictated how big the set had to be you know um you had to build you know yeah. the, the the tunnel around the size of the camera but yeah they adapted it for vista vision 50 feet of film in the special magazine that they created for it which is about 400 frames of film that's not much is it no but it's uh, as i say i don't know what the long i reckon the longest 
miniature shot is probably the, the uh, going up the big peak of the hill and coming down. Coming down, yeah. yeah. That's that's a good point, and mm-hmm. that's you know, twenty four frames a second. Yeah, yeah, you could easily do that and with four hundred. Yeah, and there, there may be uh, there may be much more. It, it may be that they can do several takes without having to open the camera up and replace the, the the cartridge and stuff i mean that's what you want you don't want to you don't want to once you've once you've put the camera mounted the camera you don't want to move it off that plate do you until the sh- shot is finished otherwise exactly yeah <clears throat> you could you yeah. can mess up something but yeah so as i say they that they built the miniatures as as uh, small as they possibly could the the mine carts ended up being about 10 inches uh in size and it was down to barbara gallucci and her team who were given the job of building this uh, this miniature tunnel work, not only the tunnels, but they had to make all the barrels, you know, the tools, yeah, yeah. all the baskets that you see, also the the strings of lights that you see everywhere, um, all to give it scale and perspective, you know. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I was there's a couple of sort of shots you see of the miniature from the outside, and you can and you realise that the whole tunnel is made of tin foil, which is which is a just genius because it's cheap and easy. But I just can't believe that it's so fragile because for, for yeah. you know, yeah, I've I've made stuff. I mean, tin foil. If you just get your regular tin foil from you know your supermarket, if you scrunch it up into a ball and then pull it all back out and then paint it, you've got the most amazing natural organic looking rock surfaces. Yeah. incredibly cheap, incredibly light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love yeah. all that. That's the kind of stuff I. Yeah, that's the reason I, I wanted to get into special effects and stuff when I was a kid was because of those, those just. The idea that tin foil can make can look like rock, and there's experts out there that know all these different things. I mean, set set builders as well are amazing. Where, where um, they uh, they build a set and then they put these chemicals on to they, to then make all the paint peel, so it looks like it's an old old building, you know, or rust marks and stuff like that. I love all that. Yeah, um, the puppets. Okay, the puppet um, um, armatures armatures were made by Tom St. Armand, and um, but the actual you know puppets themselves, an old friend from ILM, uh, Phil Tippett, created oh, yes. the actual um, the actual puppets themselves, uh, which didn't have legs because they couldn't fit into the actual miniatures <laughs> that of makes the sense, yeah. cars. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah, it was only from the waist. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple of scenes where you had to use high-speed photography. I mean, that's um, you know the, uh, the the cart going over when you know the the the, the beam you know is on the track and yeah, it yeah. comes off, and also when the body comes off. Um, so they had to make larger models for that for the high-speed photography and the stop-motion photography as well. Do you know uh, Phil Tippett uh, has just finished a feature film? That was playing at Sitges, which I missed, unfortunately, because it, it played before I... I was only there for three days, and I, I missed it. But apparently he's sold lots of his uh, Star Wars memorabilia in order to finance some of this. And it's supposed to be absolutely amazing. And he looks like... Um, you know the... Snow, you know the... the um, what's it called? Father Christmas animation that's by the same people who did the animation of Snowman. Uh... I don't know. Anyway, there's a cartoon. You can, you can, there's a cartoon kind of graphic novel of of Father Christmas that's famous, um, and he looks like that Father Christmas now. He's got this massive. massive oh, I've seen the beard, white yeah. beard, yeah. <laughs> and bald head. You know. Yeah, he does look like Father Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah, yeah. But there's another, you know, alumni of the Star Wars effects crew, Lorne Peterson got involved as well because it was over to Lorne Peterson to actually do the flooding of the 
mineshafts all right yeah sequence right and uh it was all down to lawn and his crew um so basically what they did is they got these large diameter plastic tubes these huge like you know drainage pipes that you have on building estates you know sewage yeah, yeah. pipes basically um got these plastic tubes and then built inside the tunnel sections from urethane foam and real rocks they actually had to climb into the tube to place all this stuff okay um but the problem was as they built the tunnels up of course the diameter narrowed um and it was only four feet across to begin with so by the time they were getting near the end they had to use the shortest thinnest people of ilm to go into the tunnel and start placing more and more things okay i think it was randy ottenberg and mark thorpe they were it, they they quoted as two of the smaller model builders they were the only ones that could squeeze in there and get it to work because they worked from the backwards back yeah they just slowly moved backwards 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 yeah yeah so they were putting in the walls they were putting in all the rocks um they were putting in the drums like we see one of the drums do you know how long that whole tube was uh no no haven't got that yeah um yeah so yeah they 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 put all the lanterns in baskets all the little electric lights as well um handmade glass bulbs hand-blown glass bulbs were put up um all covered in silicon so you know they wouldn't short out um but lawn peterson says the problem was they were filming this water coming down the tunnel but as you know, you can't miniaturize water. No. You know, a, wa- a water droplet is a water droplet. Yeah. You know, that's why you know, uh, when they made the spy who loved me and they needed the oil tanker, you know, it was like sixty feet long, wasn't it? Yeah. You've got to make your models huge to actually diminish the scale of the water. Or, as Lorne Peterson said, what they decided to do, because they were limited. You know, this this tunnel was only four feet across, but you've got all this water pouring down he decided that the way to get around that was to atomize the water all right so what they did was if you imagine you're looking down the tunnel and the water's going to be coming towards you strategically placed in that tunnel were very high pressure air cannons and the idea was as the water pours down the force of the air was so strong that it's up the droplets yeah as the water droplets broke off from the main body of water they would be atomized and broken up you see very clever yeah i mean that i have to say for for miniatures i thought that tunnel sequence was really good because of the fact that there was very few large droplets Mm. and then that's that's what's happening i mean you've got air blowing it all up of course something we haven't mentioned as well is a, a, a what sells a lot of this and especially with the water is the sound design because that roar of the water sells it as yeah, well doesn't yeah. it yeah mm. so, i mean i mean lucasfilm has known for years how sound can can really uh, add i mean they always said that that most people say some sort of statistic that that, that picture is 75 percent and sound is 25 percent, but at lucasfilm it's 50 percent, 50 percent yeah yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely correct so that's pretty much it i mean they come out as i say you know when you see that wide shot of them um just before the water comes out you know you've got a combination of the live action bit filmed in england you've got a map painting and the actual river below uh, was uh photographed in the grand canyon by robert elswit so that's a combination of three things i'll tell you what I've, I've never liked they've sped up the camera slightly i think it's short round who sped up too much when those pillars 
come out those wooden beams oh come yeah, out yeah. The, the, the wall it's sped up a little bit too fast oh, i think it's make, his reaction is it to make them look like they're coming out faster yeah 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 and with that we're done with that we're done well there was so, that that was the scene yeah yeah, that was the scene. Um, it's been ages since you were last on the show. Do you remember? You've got to uh, rate this out of ten. The whole effects effects of this sequence. Um, from a contemporary point of view, or from uh, the time it's it was to, made, it's up to you. I mean, <laughs> you know, do, do you think your opinion of it um, varies between the ten year old Derek to the Derek of today? Well, I think certainly a lot of the as I say, a lot of these things wouldn't have you wouldn't have noticed. I mean, as a ten year old, but also as an adult back in nineteen eighty four, uh, you know, we 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 get quite we're quite quick at um, identifying special effects, don't we? And now with digital effects, we still too now. And there's, I mean, um, I remember watching uh, was it uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, and there's a big difference from the visual effects the quality of visual effects from from episode two to episode three um but there were still elements where you think that's not quite working or that doesn't look right uh, just a few years later you start to see mm. these flaws so i think um but then this is also as an adult now today there's this nostalgia for traditional visual effects and so <laughs> my grade goes up again <laughs> yes yeah uh, so i think probably you know when i first saw it 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 would have been like a nine out of ten just because I had a thrill of a fun ride. I remember being uh, suitably impressed by the film at the time, even though later I, I I found Temple of Doom to be the weaker of the three. Um, but and then as you got older, you realise some of the effects are a bit cheesy because they've gone on. But I would say I'll bring it back up to about an eight now. An eight. Yeah. All right. Um, I think you know. I mean, I, I I was watching it on Blu-ray and everything, and something we don't really acknowledge is that if you watch it in HD on Blu-ray with a big TV, really, that's not how we saw it, you know, back in the 80s. Back in the 80s, when you and I were watching it at Maidstone, I know for a fact the lenses on our projectors weren't that good. Yeah. So you wouldn't have seen it in as good a definition a softer, as we see they? the effects yeah. now. Of course, you know, 35mm projection, you have a bit of gate judder. So the and you've got dust moves. and dirt as well. You've got dirt, you've got scratches. Yeah, and, and, and often by the time, certainly with the earlier films, by the time it got to Maystone, it had been screened probably a few yes. times. <laughs> and some of our projectionists weren't very good, so you would have some scratches from time to time <clears throat> yeah. as well. So, yeah, we're seeing it in a far more precise way than we would have seen it back in the 80s. And I think we were more more forgiving of things back then it's not just the case of effects have advanced so much more since then you know yeah um, and, and there's there's also like um uh i mean i went to see raiders of the lost dark when it was re-released in the cinema for i thought it was an anniversary or whether it was in 4k or whatever it was i think it was it was a 4k kind of print but the other thing that comes up is um the the film grain you know if you're mm. You have different film grains. So you have daylight footage, daylight stock, and um, interior stock. But also, um, if you're shooting at when it's dark, like in the jungle, uh, it's actually like if you shoot in the woods, it's much darker than you think it is. So when you get your light meter out, you're, you're seriously pushing, uh, pushing your film stock. And so you used to have like 500 ASA was like the 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 
the darkest, but you'll get loads of grain with it. Mm. And then in the beginning of uh, Raised Lost Ark, there's some very, very grainy bits of footage that look yeah. awful when you see it <laughs> in 4K because it's not softened, you know. No. films weren't designed to be seen the way we see it now when these films were made that it was never with an intention that that you would have a home viewing experience certainly not as good as we get it now we're seeing things much better than you know you would see on a pristine first print of a film in a in in a theater yeah you know and it's Um, interesting because there's there's um one of my favorite watching star wars the original now my favorite way of watching it is I don't know if you if you're aware of the um, it's called 4K 77. I think it is. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's another one as well, which um, uh, which is someone who's literally just bought a 35 mil print of Star Wars, um, and just digitized it as is. Mm. So so it has all the dirty bits, and so you know it looks like how you saw it at the cinema. Yeah, uh, which which was you know, like lots of bits of dirt flickering on it every now and then, and uh, you know sp- sp- um, changes where they change the reels, you know the little kind of judder or whatever it is, and uh, and all the colours are all kind of seventies washy, yes, uh, which is how I remember watching Star Wars, and now when you get the sort of Blu-ray, it's so brilliant in colour, it doesn't feel like what I the film that I once saw. Do you know what I mean? I wish that. Hopefully Disney will eventually release a, you know, as seen in theatres version. Yeah. I wish they wouldn't keep tweaking it. They've done it with Blade Runner, haven't they? All the colour tones in Blade Runner <clears throat> yeah. are different to how you saw it when it first came out in 82. There's um, one I version. I think it was tampering with it. Yeah, and I think, I can't remember the Blu-ray or the or the DVD one, but there was one colour grading they did that was awful because everyone had purple lips. Yeah, it, it, it was in Empire, Empire Strikes Back in particular. I think it was. <clears throat> they seem to forget the thing. You, you, you know, we we hold these films to our heart, and they're beloved and they're cherished, and we remember how we saw them. When we go back to them, we want to see them how we saw them because that's why they've stuck with us for so long. So yeah, and that's why. And that's why I'm kind of torn between the idea of you know, as a filmmaker today, I, I, I look at some of these visual effects and I think, look, if you've got the original elements you can, and you re, recomposited those, it'll be much better for the new generation that you're introducing the films to. Um, mm. But at the same time, I do want an original copy of how I saw it at the cinema. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it's an interesting thing. I mean, I'll definitely buy a double disc where, you know, where one one is the how you saw it at the cinema and the other one is uh, a tidy up yes. um, for, for a modern audience, you know. Yeah, hopefully that will come. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll join you in that eight, all right? I, I, I'll, I'll join you in an eight, so that gets an eight, <laughs> eight out of ten, all right? Okay, well, before we go, Derek, you've you, you've mentioned your film work uh, a few times uh, during the show. Would you like to tell the listener, you know, just what you're up to and where you can be found? Yeah, well, um, uh, you can find me on my, my website is um, www.delfilm.co.uk, uh, and you can see all the shorts I've made up to date, and you can see the films that I'm wanting to make. Um, I've got uh, I've written a few features um, that, <laughs> even as I as I near fifty, uh, I st- still think who knows somebody might actually pick it up and we get it made. But but I've been concentrating on on short films and then developing those short films into feature films. And uh, the one that went to Sitges recently was a, was a particularly long project because the visual effects company that were originally going to do it, which were tied into the funding, um, 
they they kind of disbanded unexpectedly and left me in the lurch and it took me nearly nine years to figure a way of how to get these visual effects finished and in the end the only way i <laughs> figured out how to do it was to learn how to to do it on uh, after effects and so that's what i did um and that's 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 currently at film festivals um you can see the trailer on on my website but eventually i'll um uh, it'll be available online to to view um and then i've done a feature film version i've written a feature film version of that which um i would love to get made somehow but um i mean times are changing you know i think uh, because of things like netflix and amazon and apple there's a lot more opportunities for um for these kind of well, like we we're talking about before the infectious imagination for Henry Bramble is is what the film's called, and it and it is just a one off. I, I don't plan to have any sequels and stuff. It's just a one in t- it's story. There's no there's, there's because it's about a boy's imagination. Um, basically, his whole family in the feature film version, his whole family uh, has been bl- sort of torn apart, and he has to learn to use his imagination not to hide from his problems but to solve the problems and. And basically, by going into this uh, this imaginary world called Minoit and Eager, where there's all these different creatures, he's basically solving his problems. It has the same sort of format as Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland, you know, where a child goes into a different world to figure themselves out. Mm. Um, and uh, and I think there's there's a lot more opportunities for because traditionally the studios wouldn't wouldn't I, could, I couldn't sell that to a studio because it doesn't exist as a novel already. It's not a successful book uh, or game or graphic novel and they only like stuff because it's extra marketing money if the, if it's an original story right and so they they put off by it but now you've got these um platforms like the netflix and stuff they're much more willing to do a one-off fantasy film uh, and, and so they're probably more likely would be interested in something like that than than the studios which but then you know the studios are disappearing anyway because fox has now been bought by disney everyone everything's been bought by disney <laughs> yeah one day you will be bought by disney <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i think there's just basically sony and and i don't know what's left but there's not paramount i don't know there's not many considering what the studios used to be it's um mm. there's not many left and and they all control what they want to produce mm. which is mm. a shame really because i don't yeah. think et would get made now you know no I, no i don't think so at all no all right, yeah. So, yeah, listener, um, head across to uh, the Facebook page. I'll be putting the links up to to uh, Derek's site and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you over there. Great. All right, well, thanks for your time today, Derek. Thank you, Eric. It's nice to talk, talk to you again. Yeah, we'll have you back. I've got, uh, I've got to talk to you about, in a minute, I've got to talk to you about coming on to a new show that, we have, uh, that we're planning, all right? So all right. Uh, I'll speak to you in a minute when I've... Uh, stop the recording. All right. All right. Cheers, then, Derek. Thanks a lot. All right. Cheers, then. Bye bye.